This is a place. This is a place. This is a place. We want to talk about. This is a place. Thank you for listening to This Is A Place podcast. My name is Brandon, and I'm joined by Nate. That's me. And the two of us are joined by a man who is a martial arts teacher, but has still only seen the first season of Cobra Kai. Ouch. <laughs> no, that really hurts. <laughs> We're going right for the jugular. Wait, right wait, wait, wait. Did you tell us, tell me this already, Brandon? No, I didn't tell you. But he commented on our, our post, and so I had to use That's it against right. him. That's right. That was you. That was you. Oh. I don't know if I want to do this anymore, Brandon. A little <laughs> Nate is a big Cobra Kai fan. Yes, that is and, awesome. And Karate Kid. I had probably all three of the original movies memorized. But I was going to say, Kobe, I was going to reply to your comment that there is a guy like you, a martial arts teacher who's never – I think he's um, his area is karate. But he went and rewatched the or watched it for the first time, the original Karate Kid, and kind of made commentary about – how realistic it was so it would be fun to okay have you watch it and then give your i don't know what types of type of martial art you focused on but to see if there's any reality to it yeah i remember really liking uh the first season i did finish the first season and i was a huge fan way back when of the original karate kid in the 80s um Bruce Lee is what got me into martial arts because, I mean, it's Bruce Lee. But I remember loving Danny's adventures back in the day. And, uh, yeah, watched the first season, loved it. And I, it's one of those things I just don't know why I never kept going. It just sort of fell off the radar. But I think maybe – I don't know why, but in the past week or so, I think the universe is telling me to get back there and do it because my YouTube recommendations randomly started spitting up Cobra Kai clips and, like, Cobra Kai behind the scenes. I must have been mm-hmm. watching a martial art video of some kind, and they're like, why haven't you seen Cobra Kai yet? So <laughs> the universe has spoken. All right. Well, don't disappoint the universe then. I know. <laughs> but I want a full report in two weeks, Kobe. <laughs> I, I will give you one, I promise. <laughs> so I introduced you with that, saying you're a, a martial arts teacher. Uh, why don't you give us a little introduction to who you are and what else makes Colby done? Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put the question. It puts a little pressure on me here, especially after the the Cobra Kai incident there to start <laughs> out. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Colby Dunn, and I, I grew up here in Utah mostly. Um, I was raised in Heber City, which we all any Utah knows is an amazing place. And uh, went to high school there. Served a mission after that in Japan um, from '04 to '06, and um, after that was just kind of in Salt Lake again. Um, I've been married since 2009. So we're hitting our 13th year this year. Uh, we've got three kids, 12. This is on the spot here. I got to remember their ages, 11, not 12, 11, <laughs> uh, almost nine and then six. And, uh, yeah, I've worked, um, for a Japanese company after my mission came home and did that. And now I work for discover card the credit card, um, as well as teach martial arts privately. Now, um, I used to do it in a studio setting, but I just teach privately from my garage now. And I think I, sorry, I didn't answer your question from before I teach Shaolin Kung Fu. So Chinese Northern China, um, hand-to-hand combat that the Shaolin monks used to do. 
Um, and then I also study Japanese sword, um, Japanese fencing, which I got into in high school and kind of through my mission and a little bit after as well. So, um, other than that, I'm a, I'm an author, mainly fantasy, um, but it will dabble in the future, probably to other genres. And yeah, as far as hobbies go, I also love to do street magic and, um, play video games. So that's pretty much my whole life. (laughs) You know, everything about me now. And you're now a Cobra Kai fan. And I'm a huge Cobra Kai fan. And I <laughs> there you go. So I got to ask, you got into the sword, the Japanese swords in high school. How big of a surprise and probably excitement was it to get called to mission in Japan? I was so excited. <laughs> to be honest, it's a weird thing. I uh, So in, it was late junior high, I think, um, we had to take a language elective and for some reason, Heber had a Japanese program all four years, all the way to the end of high school. And I, I experienced the whole mission thing kind of backwards. I I remember thinking what I wanted to learn. And I thought I I felt as a junior high kid, I'm going to go to Japan on my mission. And I'd never really thought about Japan before, but I thought, I just feel like I'm going to go there. So I better start taking this language. (laughs) So that's why I got into it because I had a strong feeling I was going to go there. So I wasn't surprised, but I was sure thrilled about it. Yeah, if it would have been a different call, maybe a different reaction. Still happy, I'm yeah. sure, but it would have been like my whole life was alive. Took Spanish. Yeah. And the martial arts did that was that something you're involved in growing up as well or honestly, going back to our first conversation, it does it does root for my childhood with things like the karate kid and watching old Bruce Lee movies with my cousins and stuff like that. And I always thought it was really cool. But the, uh, the kind of mission situation when I was younger thinking, I I feel like I'm going to go to Japan, got me into the language. And then of course the language got me into the culture. And I quickly learned about Kendo, which is, um, the fencing that you've probably seen with the bamboo swords and the big grill face masks. And so I got into that. There was a studio in Provo, which if you don't know from Heber to Provo, you got to drive through Provo Canyon. It's like a 30 minute drive, but I did that every week all through high school and studied that. And it was lots of fun. And yeah in hebrew you had all these opportunities and i didn't take any opportunities here in salt lake (laughs) well hebrew especially back then it's not as much now but back then was a really nothing town i remember moving there in seventh grade thinking why did we move to like a field like there was nothing really there it was like a farm town but now it's like a miniature park city so there's a lot more to do there now but you really kind of had to look for adventures (laughs) when you were when i was young so I believe that. I mean, we'd go up there a couple of times a year to vacation, I guess you could say. And you're right. There's not a whole lot to do <laughs> Yeah, up there. Back then, you know, um, just wasn't a whole lot to do. Yep. Yep. It's definitely grown now. There's a Walmart, so it's official. It's officially a town now. <laughs> that's what makes. Oh, it yeah, fun. that's right. They do have a Walmart there on the south end of town, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 For the longest time growing up, our, our video store, which that alone will date me, but our video store wasn't the Blockbuster. It was called uh, Video Update. <laughs> video right. Update. And our, our Walmart was called King's, um, which is like a chain that's totally dead now. In fact, it's in Napoleon Dynamite. If you watch Napoleon Dynamite, which takes place in Idaho, there's a King's. See, when they're at the store, you'll notice they're at King's, and that was in Hebrew as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Podunk. 
Well, we've kind of already jumped right into it, but we decided to for our topic today to talk about Heber. We've we've talked about doing cities as an episode, but haven't officially done it until now. So tell us about Heber. What what makes Heber so special? What was it like growing up there? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Well, Heber is awesome. If you've never been there, you definitely need to go there. Um, it's Heber Valley, which actually includes Heber City and Midway, um, which is tucked up against the western side of the mountains there. And it's it's kind of a, a world in its own. Um, my family, to this day, we refer to it as the Shire because we're all Lord of the Rings <laughs> fans. And uh, that's a pretty accurate description. It's this little hidden valley. It's always green. Uh, you know, there's rivers going through it up there, you know, past Park City, clear up in the mountains. It's just a really cool, magical place. And growing up there was... Like I mentioned, it was kind of boring, but it forced us to have um, a lot of adventures in the hills. I spent a lot of my time, you know, running around with friends out in the fields and up in the mountains and camping and hiking and just kind of exploring. So that was, it was a really cool place to grow up. I don't know how much I would love to live there as an adult with a family. Um, but as a kid, it was, it was an adventure land. And besides, I'd, I'd have to be making like a million dollars a year to live up there anyway now. So um but if you're unfamiliar there's basically two things you have to know first of all about heaver and one of them is dairy keen which mm-hmm. is the restaurant on main street and it's not dairy queen it's dairy keen k-e-e-n it's a mom and pop shop one of a kind and it's incredible i worked there all through high school working oh, yeah. fast food yeah they have a little train set right that goes around that's right they're called the home of the train it's a whole train themed place right yeah, in fact, if you uh, you can probably Google this, but inside they have little plaques showing the history of the restaurant. And it started as literally like one of those little trailer sized, just come up to the window and get an ice cream kind of places. And, uh, you know, back in like the 50s or something like that, something crazy. It's been in the same family for generations. And uh, now it's humongous. It's, it's ridiculous how much traffic it gets during like... Um, holiday times and during uh some of the seasonal festivals and stuff it's madness swiss days swiss days yeah that's a big one um so yeah they do have the little train going around the ceiling inside the the food court but they've expanded it to all sorts of crazy stuff now so you have to eat there that's one of the main things to know about heber (laughs) yeah one of my most memorable meals ever was there and the reason why is we did trek back in 97 up by strawberry reservoir and they promised us that they were going to feed us well and we were going to eat like kings we did not like (laughs) we we starved like the whole time it felt like and then on the way home i we stopped at the dairy king and that was like the best meal ever because i was starving and i was done eating whatever (laughs) crap they were feeding us on the trek slop Um, so yeah so every time when i think or drive through heber i go back to that memory (laughs) <laughs> and i would say even if you hadn't been starving on trek it still is a fantastic meal oh absolutely great absolutely. ice cream great food so when you worked there and even growing up um like was it just interesting the fact that everybody you see you, you probably see the hometown people a lot but just so many people come through there so many tourist people does that is that cool is it annoying <laughs> Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> there, there is, um, it's kind of all related to the same thing where we mentioned before with like Swiss days is one of our big, one of the big festivals that they have up there every year. And it's gotten just bigger and bigger every year. Um, but there's also Sundance, of course, right in Park City. And so the big celebrities come out for Hollywood celebrities come out for Sundance and well, where do I stay either in Park City, or you jump 20 minutes south and go to Midway, which is super, super nice. So there's an inn um, called the Blue Boar Inn, uh, tucked right in the corner. It's the, you can't go any farther until you're in the mountains. It's right in the west northwest corner of the valley, and it's a really cool place. And my mom worked there and got a call one day from Russell Crowe, um, saying, "Hey, we want to book the whole place out." And she's like, "Great, what are your dates?" And he gave her the dates, and she's like, "Well, we're closed on Sundays, so that's not going to work." And he's like, oh, "I'm Russell Crowe, you know." And she's like, oh, wow, like the Russell Crowe. And they chit-chatted. And she goes, well, we're still closed on Sunday. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he was mad and he hung up. <laughs> did he sing a song from Les Mis? He did he was not. Les Mis, right? oh, he just sure. gave a gladiator speech. Disappointing. That's funny. Like, do you know who I am? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's like, wow. But yeah, it doesn't change anything. Still. <laughs> So you, you get your run-ins with celebrities up there. My older brothers are in the film industry, so they have some funny stories about run-ins. But kid and kid working at Dairy King, I didn't see too much of that. There were some tourists and stuff that came through, but I, did, I didn't experience too much of it. Um, but the other crazy time was the Olympics in 2002. So I was in high school at the time, um, and my scout troop and stuff helped build that little Olympic um trying to remember the official name for it but it's where they did the you can see how much i'm into the olympics where they ski and shoot the guns <laughs> what's that called uh, is that skeet shooting is that what it's called that would make sense no idea <laughs> but yeah we helped build that ground up there and uh that was quite exciting because of course the whole world was gathering to salt lake and heaver at the time so that was interesting so you said there was two things you said Derry keen and what's the other important That's thing to nice. know about heaver the other, I guess, thing that it's famous for is the Hebrew Creeper, which oh, is yeah. a train, one of the oldest trains still in operation, from what I understand, um, original trains, I guess. And that will, obviously, it's not used for real transit anymore, but it, but it is uh, used for entertainment. So it'll go down, it'll go across Hebrew Valley and down Provo Canyon to this park where it turns around, which is a really cool thing. It's, it's really fun. I've been a few times, um, but the cool thing about it, especially if you have a little family or little kids or something is in the winter they'll do polar express they'll turn the whole train into the polar express and there's actors and elves and stuff like that santa's there and then in the summer they'll do like um uh like a jurassic train dinosaur train that's right i think that's why they did it because that's a kid show that my kids used to watch but and so that's cool and they'll do like the haunted train at halloween so that's a that's a really cool thing and it's located right in the center of the valley, which is where the original Heber city is. You can still go to the original main street and it looks like old Western. And there's like saloon doors and stuff on the gift shop door. It's all just restaurants and gift shops now, but it looks really cool. And, and there's a, uh, there's been movies shot there and all kinds of cool stuff. That cool so bridge. Right there. Yeah. It's right there in the middle of the valley. So pretty cool. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. 
Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Yeah, I did the Heber Creeper once and they turned it into Thomas the Tank. That's another good one. Thomas, I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. I think we did it during Easter. Was there an Easter thing? They turned it into was, an Easter bunny. I'm pretty sure it was Easter, and the Easter bunny came on and had like the, the eggs, anyways. Oh, okay. Still waiting for them to do like a Mission Impossible thing where maybe it derails and. Oh, that'd be awesome. You know, Tom Cruise is on the roof on a cable or something. I'll go Can't to Can't we one. do a Back to the Future 3 and try yeah. to get it up to 88 miles per hour? There you go. <laughs> I mean, it barely goes, what, three miles an hour when they're doing Barreling the toward the cliff, right? Pushing the, yeah. pushing the DeLorean. There you go. And by the way, it's called the biathlon. So I, don't, I know somebody That's listening it. right now is driving the nuts like, holy crap, man. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the ski and shoot with the end with an apostrophe in the middle. Like, yeah, ski shooting. Yeah, that's it. No, biathlon. <laughs> this is my favorite winter sport. I can't believe I remember. That's that and fun. curling. You edit that out. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah, Brandon, do your do your magic. Along with the Make, cobra. Making more work for me. <laughs> um. I I love Heber. I'm not a small town person, and maybe it's not as considered as much a small town like it used to be. But I could see myself if I were to live in more of a small town, it'd be either Heber or Midway. But again, yeah. I'm not a millionaire, so yeah. probably not going to happen. But that was where we spent our our very low budget honeymoon. Was uh, we oh, stayed no in that area. And so we spent a couple days there, went to Dairy King a couple of times, some other restaurants in the area. Oh, man. But Setting your marriage up for success, starting with Dairy King? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's perfect. And it's close enough you can go back every year to revisit on the exactly. anniversary. Do you know it was named after Heber C. Kimball? Surprise to no one since it's a, a Utah town <laughs> and it's the name Heber. But it was originally settled in 1859 and has really just grown up from there into what it is today the heber c kimball thing is the only thing i knew about the history of heber to be honest and the dairy king was there a long time all i know now too (laughs) we've all been educated so you said that um you have you said there's like a church property there and you had maybe some interesting information about that as well right yeah so it's a little bit of hearsay which i you know try and stay away from but it's always fun to talk about what you hear, right? I oh, mean, yeah. That's, juicy gossip is the best. That's why we and have I, a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think everybody or a lot of people are familiar with the property that the church owns up there. It's mainly used right now for like girls camps and stuff. It's humongous. Uh, I've stayed there go... before. Oh, have you? For what? Mm-hmm. It, so they close it down, obviously, for the fall and you can rent out. Um, the campsites and we rented it out for family reunion probably oh good 12 years ago i didn't know they did that Mm -hmm. well it's very well maintained and it's it's huge i mean that property up there is gigantic and it goes way up into the mountains and uh my dad um was a bishop in in heber and 
was up there at girls camp with his wards or stakes girls or whatever they were doing and ran into the missionaries. There's full-time missionaries that serve there. If you didn't know, um, year round, even when it's closed. And my dad got talking to them and just said, what, what do you guys do here? Like, why are, why, like, who's, who's like, what goes on? Like, what, why are they having devoted missionaries full-time at a campground? And they said, well, it's not just a campground. The church keeps a very close eye on it and are maintaining it deliberately, like around the clock all year round. And it's not just used for a campground. And he's like, what do you mean? And they didn't really tell him more than that, but, um, they, they just, I, my dad got the feeling and this is kind of where the hearsay comes in and where me and my dad kind of like to talk about this stuff a lot, but he was, he was like, I don't know. It, it seems like the church is reserving that property for some kind of outpost or some kind of place that anybody can go to for a resort. I don't know if that means from natural disasters or if something down the road happens, I don't know, but, but he, he made it very clear. The guy talking to my dad made it very clear that it's, it's more than just a campground that the church is using for camps. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. I wish I knew more than that, but I don't. Maybe it's where the three Nephites camp <laughs> during their off season. He's talking Yeah, that guy must've been one of them. Who knows? You had another crazy experience out there in Heber uh, that you mentioned to me and you said, Part of it was inspiration for your one of your books, right? That's or, right. At least a part right. in your book. That's right. Um, not like a huge part, but it more just played as a kind of a backdrop um, for one of the scenes in my second book. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think of a way to explain this. It doesn't make me sound like an absolute maniac, but I don't think I could <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, a buddy of mine... <clears throat> um and i were for a time we were really well we were teenagers so we were really stupid and we really got into exploring old houses and abandoned houses in the valley and abandoned buildings and condemned buildings and stuff like that and this escalated and escalated until we found ourselves with gear camp gear and weapons and <laughs> like all kinds of stuff as you know teenagers do and we decided to camp in some, and we decided to kind of just really take it to the next level. And uh, the more we started exploring these obscure places, the more we found we were kind of discovering sites from what seemed like the same, this same group of people. It seemed almost like some sort of a cult or something. Because <laughs> um, they would leave things behind. We'd leave um, dead animals and like weird stuff that we were just like, this is crazy. Like, what is this? And we were just there to, you know, kind of explore and have fun. But being the super intelligent teenagers that we were, we decided it was a good idea to try and track these people down <laughs> and follow their trail. <laughs> Great idea. Right? I mean, that's the logical thing to do. So we ended up at a at a at an old chapel that had been long since condemned and boarded up and it was falling apart. And we ended up getting inside. And uh, we'll leave out how we did that. <clears throat> but we got inside <laughs> And it was just piled with garbage. You know, it was just a mess, super gross in there. And we started exploring and we got down to this basement room and it wasn't the typical um, like Latter-day Saint church buildings square with the gym in the middle or whatever. It was like this really weird, super old building where you had almost like a Catholic style chapel with stained glass windows at the back. And then off to the side, it sort of had a stairs that went up 
and down a hall and it kind of circled back down in, the, in a like a loop that went upstairs and downstairs and then there was a basement with one hall it was really weird but we wound up in this room in the basement <clears throat> and it well you go into the hall and of course there's like the brick on the sides of the walls of the hallway but it had been knocked out and a tunnel had been dug into the brick wall like into the foundation of the building and there was a little cave room in there like a cavernous room in there with a whole bunch of like candles and weird stuff on the floor and there were footprints on the floor going up the wall and onto the ceiling which disturbed us big time of course and we're like we got to get out of here <laughs> so there's there's a little bit more that i could say about that place but the building has since been demolish it's not there anymore unfortunately um <laughs> or maybe fortunately i don't know but as i was writing my book there's a the, the part of the second book takes place in this fortress that has unknown origins and it's really just kind of mysterious and nobody myself included intentionally nobody kind of knows where it came from and it the, the hallways kind of tend to seem to rearrange themselves and it's sort of this place that drives people crazy and they end up in this room to the characters end up in this room to hide. And I thought, what's just something weird and creepy I could put in this room. And I thought, Hmm, experience. <laughs> I'm just going to describe that room that I was in. <laughs> so there it is in the book. If you want a vivid description, second half, uh, latter end of the second book of my trilogy, there it is. <laughs> but you never actually encountered the people, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. I think we were being watched out for, I think somebody, up top was like, you guys are so stupid. I'm just going to make this not happen for you guys. <laughs> One of those neat fights was staying in the camp. So they were keeping <laughs> on you while you were doing it. That's right. Special assignment for the dumb teenager kid. But there was a lot of interesting houses. We, we looked through up there. Um, a lot of weird stories that to this day, I can't really explain when i think back on them <laughs> it goes back to you kind of had to find your own fun and that was one of the ways you did it right that's right and i guess that group that we were following had their ways of having fun and we had ours <laughs> and luckily we never crossed paths <laughs> yeah very weird time in my life nate any more questions about heber or um not necessarily questions but i think we need to do a whole episode on just the homestead up there which should technically be would that be midway or is that part of heber that is in Midway, yeah. The homestead Midway. is has since um, it's kind of going away. Um, it's well, and for those of you to, that don't know, if anybody that's listening doesn't know what the homestead is, right in the middle of Midway, as Nathan mentioned, there's this resort, and it used to be the biggest resort in the valley, and it's built right next to, like, a stone's throw away from. I don't, I don't know about the statistics, but it's a very significant um, crater. With, a, with hot pots are everywhere in the Heber Valley, um, like hot tubs, natural hot springs, just in craters of rock. And that one's huge. It's like, I don't know how big. You can Google image it, the Homestead Crater in Midway, but it's uh, it's big. You can, there's a whole set of stairs that go up to the top and you can look down in there. And I think you could even scuba dive in there. Yeah, you can I peed on top of it dive. once. You did? <laughs> That's why it's so warm. Yeah. To me, as a kid growing up, like I said, going up there a few times a year, to me, it was a volcano. I thought it was a volcano. That's what I always say. Crater, you know, and then you volcano. go up the top, you look down, and I had no idea and probably tell my high school years that, oh, there's it's a crater and there's water underneath. And you see people walking out of this volcano wearing scuba gear like you're talking about. So <laughs> It's Mount Doom. Nothing will change my mind. Volcano. You say it's going away? 
Yeah. So since then it's, it's really kind of gone downhill. It's, it's old of course. And I don't know if it's management or what, but I, I'm sure a big part of it is that huge other resorts have moved into the Valley in the past decade or so. Yeah. One's called Zermont, which is right across the street from the homestead. And it's, it's like taken copy and pasted right out of the middle of park city kind of a place. So it's very ritzy, very big. And it's that and a couple others just sort of stole all the business and I don't really know how the homestead's dealing with it nowadays. If you Maybe look at Google reviews for the homestead, you'll find my skating review and why I'll never go back there. <laughs> so in your mind, you're like, yes, it's failing. So you single-handedly, Brandon, took him down. I, I took down the homestead. You're stinking review. <laughs> oh, they're fighting the good fight. I think I could talk probably another three hours about Heber and just stories and stuff like that. But I love I that you're familiar with it. It's an awesome place. It, it really is. is. Yeah, and I would love to have like a vacation home or something up there. But oh, yeah, like Colby mentioned, uh, probably about 20 years too late for that. <laughs> Should have invested earlier, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm lucky because my sister um, stayed there. Her husband and she and her she and her now husband were high school sweethearts. So they were they're you know, both from Heber and they stayed there. Um, he's a Salazar, which is a big family in Heber. Um, and yeah, they're, they're still there. So I can go up and chill at their house and you know adventure around then come back home so it worked out nice well here is a great place we appreciate you coming on and talking with us about it and your your time growing up there we talked a little bit about your books but i'm very interested in that so tell us what your books are and where people can find them so they can hear more about that creepy room yeah right you got to get your book one before you can get to that but uh <clears throat> so i mainly write fantasy um sort of epic fantasy after the fashion of like lord of the rings or the wheel of time or um you know quest-based fantasy and <clears throat> this is a story uh it's like a medieval fantasy war story so there's magic and monsters and that kind of thing but i try, kind of wanted to flip the uh the norm on its head you typically have the you know country boy that learns to be a hero and gains all these skills and meets all these people and goes out into the world and, you know, finishes the story. And I kind of wanted to flip that upside down. So throughout the, the war and the story, this, this guy, the main character kind of starts with everything. He's a soldier. He's already competent, um, you know, with his life and that kind of thing. And the war kind of slowly takes everything he has away and you kind of get to see how he deals with that and has to build himself back up after he's lost everything. And it's called the eyes of fate trilogy uh, with fate being an actual deity in the story that kind of governs the destinies of, of people. So that's kind of a theme uh, in the book as well as, you know, how much control do you really have over your life and your future? And if the answer is not much, how far are you willing to go to change that? So um, kind of some interesting things going on. And you can always check out all my projects at um, colbydunn.com. Pretty easy to remember. That's C-O-L-B-Y-D-U-N-N.com. And uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter there if you want to just get updates on everything um, and get some free short stories in the process. And book one of my trilogy is actually free for everybody on Amazon uh, in ebook form. So it's called Crimson Sun. Just type it in on Amazon and it's there for you for free, ready to read. So I only read headlines. So I'll have Brandon read the, the book. When he comes <laughs> I just told you the whole story. You know it now. Right, Brandon? That's very true. Uh, how many yeah. pages are each of the books? So um, I have to actually get my books here. Give me a second. Your super um, fans are screaming right now saying, oh, come on. How do you not know how many pages are? 
like so disappointed. Well, the funny thing is that as, as an author, I quickly learned you start thinking and talking in word counts instead of page counts. Because if you're on an ebook, it's going to be different than the physical book. If you're reading on a, your ebook on a phone, it's going to be different than if you're reading the ebook on a tablet. So That's a good point. the word count is kind of how you judge where a book goes. A typical novel, kind of your short, you know, couple day read or whatever is 50 to 60,000 words just to kind of gauge what an average novel is. Fantasy tends to get on the bigger side just because of the nature of the genre. So they're usually up into the 70, 80 thousands. My books are about 130 each, 130,000. Um, so, but yeah, I've got them here. There's oh, cool. the, the, the creepy place where the room is there. It's in nice. there. But uh, yeah, they average about 400 pages or so, a mid threes to four pages in physical form. Probably a, a year read. <laughs> oh to read yeah i read a book once yeah <laughs> well it's and funny we... because you know i spent a decade writing this trilogy literally 10 years almost exactly wow. and someone will find it and three days later they'll be like oh yeah i finished it it was great it's like oh you read all My that in two sports. days when's your next one I'm like, oh. Oh. well i'm gonna have to go check it out i'm gonna check out the the book one and because i gotta get to the at least the story of the room right that's right. That's book two. That's near the end of book two. And if I so, haven't hooked you then, I haven't done my job as an author. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll throw your your website as well in the links for the things we share and definitely we think you're a great guy, Colby. Thanks for coming on and we'd recommend everyone go check him out and his book as well. I can't vouch for it because I read it, but I'm gonna read it. So <laughs> I'll let that. you know then. Yeah, if it's negative, you can do a podcast about that as well. <laughs> bad, like, utah authors. <laughs> bad utah authors utah authors there you go yeah and you are our first author we've had on the show for so thanks oh, for coming on and i'm honored that no this is really fun you guys are awesome i come and chill anytime you guys want well we need to all three of us go up and swim that crater and then do an episode and do a report uh, so down friend is like uh as oh, long as i have to go into the homestead itself <laughs> i'm down <laughs> okay fair enough Thanks for listening to This Is The Place podcast. See you next week.